Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Raines, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself, because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid, and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. This is a press statement from the U.S. State Department dated August 17, 2020. Today, the United States imposed financial sanctions and visa restrictions on four Ugandan individuals for their involvement in activities that victimized young children in a corrupt adoption scheme. Ugandan judges Moses Mukaibi, Wilson Musalu Musin, and Ugandan lawyer Dora Murembi and her associate Patrick Ikobu participated in a scam whereby young children were removed from their families and placed into a corrupt adoption network, aided by the facilitation of Ugandan officials. The U.S. government designated these four individuals pursuant to Executive Order 13818, which builds upon and implements the Global Magnitsky Human Rights Accountability Act. The Department of State also designated Mukaibi and Musin under Section 7031C of the Department of State Foreign Operations and Related Program Appropriations Act 2020 due to their involvement in significant corruption. Together, these individuals engaged in corruption to arrange the adoption of Ugandan children by unwitting parents in the United States. Marembi's law firm used the services of intermediary parties to seek out vulnerable families in remote Ugandan villages, promising parents that their children would be moved to Kampala to further their education. American prospective adoptive parents then traveled to Uganda to adopt children from an unlicensed children's home in Kampala. Murembi, with the assistance of Ikobu, facilitated bribes to Ugandan judges and other Ugandan government officials to fraudulently procure adoption cases, either directly or through an interlocutor. Murembi paid bribes to get cases steered to judges Mukaibi and Musin. Mukaibi and Musin are current and former government officials who have directly or indirectly engaged in corruption. 
Under Section 7031C, once the Secretary of State designates officials of foreign governments for their involvement directly or indirectly in significant corruption, those individuals and their immediate family members are ineligible for entry into the United States. The law also requires the Secretary of State to either publicly or privately designate or identify such officials. Today's actions demonstrate the United States' commitment to protecting the dignity of every human being and protecting the United States from those who seek to profit at the expense of others. These individuals' actions also resulted in the submission of false documentation to the Department of State for consideration in visa adjudication, a falsification the department would not tolerate. So today we're going to be talking about uh, international adoptions, and we're going to focus on what has been happening in the country of Uganda. One thing that is important to note is that Uganda is not a Hague Convention country. This is a significant distinction, as it means there are no overall guidelines for inter-country adoption. So the Hague was implemented so that this entity could oversee the transactions of international adoptions to prevent child trafficking, to prevent exactly what happened in Uganda from happening. So this big situation that happened with this one agency, European Adoption Consultants, which used to be a very big agency, is parallel to the Paul Peterson of the domestic adoptions. So the European Adoption Consultants, as you read uh, in the press conference, there was a bunch of illegal adoption activity that occurred. And just to kind of break it down so that our listeners can understand what was happening was there were orphanages per se that were recruiting children from families. They were also getting these children that were in orphanages that they, that when the families were bringing them there, they were under the impression it was temporary. And then the ones that were being recruited was for a better education. And so what they were doing was they were saying, uh, having them sign over a legal guardianship for the child to go to another entity. And then they were being adopted out under the pretense that the, the mother was no longer, was dead or was not able to parent. Right. There were three women that were charged through your European adoption consultants And then there were uh, some people over in Uganda that were charged as well. Judges and lawyers, right. According to The Guardian, uh, EAC received more than $900,000 from clients. I guess I'm so disheartened in this because, you know, when, when an agency becomes Hague accredited, it's a huge process that the agency has to undergird. I mean, it not only are you licensed by the state that you are residing in in order to facilitate adoptions, but you are now uh, also licensed through an entity that has been selected by the U.S. State Department in order to do these international adoptions. So, you know, when The Hague was ratified, it was a really big deal to be able to do international adoptions. And at first it was the coalition on accreditation that was the licensing entity. 
And then it has since switched. And now it looks like it may be switching again as to who's going to be the overseer. That being said, the fact that Uganda never ratified the Hague, they did not join the Hague Convention, their children were left open to be victims of this of this situation. Yeah, this, this fraudulent crime. scheme, right. And again, where I really, really struggle is for all of the children, for all of the birth families and the adoptive families, because they're all equally victims. Absolutely. It wasn't... You know, in, in the adoption world, it is very similar to, you know, how they say if there's one bad apple in the bag, everything is spoiled. It, get, it tarnishes the reputation and the safety and everything when someone's coming into an adoption when there is something like this going on because it scares everybody. Right. You know, and then we see the movies on Lifetime and, you know, and, and other channels where they're highlighting the bad rather than, than the good. Mm-hmm. In reading through what's happened in this Ugandan scheme, and it's not just a Ugandan scheme. I mean, there was definitely the United States agency that was absolutely fully a party to this. Correct. A U.S. State Department statement had stated that Marimbi had promised vulnerable Ugandan families their children will go to these schools in Kampala. But instead, mm-hmm. they were taken to an unlicensed children's home for adoption by American families. Marambe and Ikobu then facilitated bribes to the Ugandan judges and other government officials. So what's interesting about that is there were the highest number of children in one year from Uganda was recorded in 2013. And that was uh, adoptions of 276. That doesn't mean that all of them were through EAC. It just means that that's the amount of Ugandan children that were. But when they banned the legal guardianship in 2016 and the government began closing unlicensed orphanages, obviously the numbers have drastically declined. Now we understand that legal guardianships can no longer be used for adoptions in Uganda, uh, which Mukibi had coined the term constructive fostering in parentheticals, uh, which waives the requirement for prospective parents to foster a child in country before adopting them instead of appointing a third party to look after the child on their behalf. Really, these children do need to be protected as, as much as their, their families. And the adoptive families in the United States are very much victims as well because they are trying to build their own family, unknowing that what is happening on the other side of the continent is, is a crime and are completely unaware because... They're going through what they believe is a reputable adoption. Absolutely. Just like the families that were working with Paul Peterson felt that, you know, they were working with an attorney who was also working, you know, in had his uh, adoption agency. And so it's, it's really hard for families, like I said, to develop that sacred trust and, you know, to spend thirty to $40,000 trying to complete an international adoption. Uh, in 2016, there were still 187 adoptions from Uganda. That's a lot of kiddos. Right now, if you go to the U.S. State Department website, you will see that they are actually not recommending travel, though, due to the violent crime and nature of what's going on over there right now. And after this is, has come out, I am, I'm sure that people are nervous and hesitant to proceed with a Ugandan adoption for fear that there may be something wrong. But 
again, um, hopefully things will change and the children of Uganda that are eligible and able to be adopted will still have that opportunity. And hopefully that now that this has happened, they can be, it can be done safely and securely and nothing like this, I hope will never happen again. So there are some definite rules of in adopting from Uganda. The children are between two to eight years old. Uh, prospective adoptive parents must be open to a child at least three years of age. Like most international adoptions, children with special needs are common, including children affected by malaria or, or who are HIV positive. Prospective adoptive parents must be at least 25 years of age and must be at least 21 years older than the adopted child. For married couples, there's no minimum duration of marriage to qualify for adoption. Single adoptive parent, I should say, are welcome to apply, although single applicants may only adopt a child of the same gender. It's interesting. That's fascinating. I wonder why. I've seen a lot of country requirements, and I have never seen that. So that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. There are no minimum financial requirements to apply, though families with five children or more are not permitted to adopt. The average timeline for adoption is 18 to 36 months, and the cost falls between thirty dollars to $40,000, including agency, program, government, and travel fees. So Uganda is still open for adoption. Mm-hmm. It's just now going to be done the correct way. But again, this wasn't all adoption agencies. This was European adoption consultants in combination with some of the, uh, the judges over in Uganda. Right. And so I want to make that really clear, that this is not uh, Uganda as a whole. I mean, we've had situations with other international countries uh, that the whole country shut down because their it, the adoption process became corrupt and I mean if you and then they would you know shut down go into moratorium some would reopen some would not I mean if you look at Romania Romania still has not really opened to adopt um, Guatemala was a big one. That was one of the biggest international countries to adopt from. That one shut down. And then there were pilot programs to try to get it back up and running. Uh, Russia has closed their adoption program because of the United States and the backlash that happened when some children were not treated properly by their adoptive parents. And so Russia has primarily shut down their adoption program to the United States. Other countries, there were things going on in Ethiopia, and there were some agencies in the United States that were a party to some things that were very questionable and and not ethical. And so uh, Ethiopia has shut down, and then it reopens, and then it shut down and reopens. So, you know, you really have to watch countries as what seems to be happening is as the programs get larger and larger and larger in these countries, and they become really popular countries to adopt from people get into it, maybe for the wrong reasons, you know, agencies or officials or adoption specialists. And in doing so um, it wrecks it for a lot of people. Right. I mean, there's always somebody that's willing to do the wrong thing to make a buck or to game the system or whatever it is. And so, like you say, one bad apple spoils the whole darn bunch, and you got to beware of that. You no, know, it really does. 
The only international country that we do right now uh, and work with is Haiti. And, you know, Haiti has been really through the ringer, not regarding adoptions, but just, you know, everything that that country mm-hmm. has been through. I mean, with the earthquakes and they are considered and the, a fourth world country, you know, I don't, and, and back when, you know, you and I were in grade school, I don't recall ever hearing about a fourth world country. I mean, it right. kind of stopped at three, you know, the third world countries. Right. Haiti is now considered a fourth world country. Wow. And they have gone into moratorium and put things on hold, but not due to any uh, corruption or anything regarding adoptions. It's just to restructure and to make the process um, better for their country and the way that it's happening. So, you know, they have done a phenomenal job in in the way that they have overseen their adoption process in in Haiti and who they choose to work with in the United States. But we've worked with Haiti for years and years and years. And we, we have placed a lot of children through that program. And it's something that I am really proud of. But again, you know, I've seen lots of countries open and closed. And it's really sad to know that there are children that would love to be adopted um, and come to the United States and now that may not be a reality for them because of the crimes that other people have done. It looks like the three women with European adoption consultants are going to really um, do some prison time. And I think that's really important. I think that that's, that's really a big deal. Right. We need to set an example with these people and try and make sure that this doesn't happen again. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of glad that this story came to light because you do want to shine a light on on the bad parts and make sure it stops. Absolutely. I, the only way to make them stop is, is definitely to bring awareness mm-hmm. to a situation and to make sure that people understand what's really going on. You know, we always talk about the importance of adoption education and combine that with, you know, why we teach history in schools so that we don't make the same mistakes again. Right. So that we catch it. And, and we don't repeat, you know, bad behavior, <laughs> if you right. will. Uh, but I, I think that that's really important to, to know. And again, I, I want to, to put it out there that if in your heart, international adoption is where you feel that your child is, is meant to be from, regardless of what country you choose, just do your research, make sure you utilize the U.S. State Department website. They have a whole site on adoption where you can go in and look at all the requirements for each individual country and it'll walk you through everything. You also can find a list of accredited agencies. Even if the country that you are wanting to work with is not accredited uh, with the Hague, you can still use a Hague accredited agency and you'll need to because it's the safest obviously route to go because that agency will have been, like I said, audited again and overseen by an entity that is assigned by the U.S. State Department. So it's a really big deal. It's a really, really big deal. And I think that if you go and you, you do your research and you, you know, you check the Better Business Bureau and, and you talk with families who've adopted from the country uh, and the program that you want to use, you're really doing your due diligence. You know, these, these families that adopted through EAC, no doubt, did everything in their power to make sure that they were using a credible agency that had an established program 
that had recommendations from families who had brought their children home. And so it's just really sad to think about what's happening now with those children. And, you know, if there's concern on the adoptive families part and in what they're going through in trying to maintain stability and, and not have worries. So my heart goes out to them as I'm sure yours does too. Absolutely. Mom. And, you know, this is something that we emphasized, especially when the Paul Peterson stories started to break. Definitely do that due diligence. Find out more. I mean, there's always more to learn. You've given some great resources. Like you say, go to the State Department website and just make sure you're dealing with an agency or an organization that has everybody's best interests at heart. And hopefully in the future uh, in podcasts, we'll be able to maybe speak with a family who has been a victim of this. So. Mm -hmm. They can maybe speak out for other families who are in the same same boat, if you will, so they don't feel alone. And I think that it would be, you know, we've got families obviously from you that adopted from Uganda that are, you know, struggling. And then there's the families from the Paul Peterson situation. And so, you know, uniting some of these families, I think, would bring comfort and peace and and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe a sense of community would really help. It would really help. So uh, our heart goes out to all of you that are victims, and we still believe in international adoption, even though this happened. This is not reflective of every agency. Please understand that. This mm -hmm. is one agency that did a really bad thing and now are going to be uh, paying the consequences for it. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information. You can also find out more information about Building Arizona families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.